Well, hey, we're about halfway through our um, fresh look into the book of Acts. Have you been enjoying it so far? Yeah? I have been. Um, We've been spending our time going through kind of the themes that are found in the book of Acts and uh, kind of the things that are woven in there. And I hope you've been taking advantage of um, the opportunity we've given you or maybe the challenge that have said if you would just read one chapter a day in the book of Acts that in this series, which will take about three months, you would read through the book of Acts three times. And the reason I keep bringing that up is our hope is that just the ideas that God is presenting in the book of Acts would just really get deep down into our hearts and our souls. And we begin to see that God has a, has a way of seeing our life as we walk out with him that a lot of times looks different than, than we see around us in our, in our current age. And, and we begin to see some of those differences as we've been looking at the earliest church on how they lived out their Christianity and how God interacted with them. And, and so far in this series, we've looked at things like this, that when you come to Jesus, um, his goal is you have a transformed life. That we're spo- we, we, get the, we get the privilege of becoming better when we come to know Jesus. That Jesus in our lives makes positive changes and we look different, we act different, we think different. We've looked at things like it was normal for the early church and it should be normal for us to expect God to do miraculous things. That when we pray for people, when we say, let's pray for John's knee, we expect God to do something because God does those things. And we have a room full of people who are living testimonies that say, yeah, in my life, something, sometimes somebody prayed for me and God did something supernatural. And it could have been a healing. It could be a deliverance. A man just told me, um, we were just in Michigan at a, at a, um, a church uh, reunion from the first church we ever planted. We, we left it 21 years ago and they had a reunion. And one of the men there, and his name is Rob, came up and said, I need to tell you something. And I said, what is it? And I, you know, Rob had left us, and he had gone to start a church in the next city over called Munising that we were working on getting a team together to go to that town um, to start a church. And he went and started that church. And he goes, you don't know this probably, but when, when I um, came to church, he said, I was a functional alcoholic. He said, I drank about, I think he said 25 to 26 beers every single day. And he said, one day you came to me. He's a big, big guy, construction kind of guy. And he, he said, I could handle it. I'm a big guy, but that's what he did every day. And he said, I came forward one day and, and you prayed with me. And he said, I walked up to church and never had another drink in my life. And he had never told me that. And I'm like, well, gee, thanks for sharing 21 years later. Um, but you know what? That's just what happened. And it didn't have to, I didn't have to know that. Because God does those things all the time. So there's things in your lives that, that we look at the early church and, and we see that the miraculous power of God is resident in the, in, in the, in the kingdom of God and the church of God. And so we, we, we look for that. We say, God, we trust you for those things. We, we've learned that. We looked at how our lives are lives of worship, and we did some of that today, but Pastor Mitch preached about that a few weeks ago, how our lives are literally the actions that we do are worship unto God. We looked at how our lives um, are filled with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Paul preached about that a couple weeks ago, and how that's God's plan, that, that you were never, that what the Holy Spirit's doing the work in you so he can do a work through you that you were never intended to live the Christian life on your own power. Matter of fact, if you're frustrated in your Christian life because it's just like you feel like you keep failing at something, here's my, here's my suggestion. First of all, listen to that sermon if you didn't hear it. Um, but then understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the work in you. That's what we learn in Acts, um, that the book of Acts teaches. It's about the Holy Spirit working in us and then working through us, changing us, and then using us to change the world. And then we looked at things last week. We looked at how when you come to Jesus, one of the things he wants to do in our lives is break the grip of materialism. 
and how that's a, a, just a standard thing in the world is wanting more. And how we see woven through the book of Acts how people's lives um, just miraculously, when it came to Jesus, they're like, suddenly the things of the world didn't have that value anymore. And they were so willing to use their resources for the kingdom of God. It was one of the greatest evidences that Jesus was really real inside their lives. And so those are some of the kind of things we've been looking at so far. And what we've been learning is that the lives that the early church lived were quite different than the culture that surrounded them. That when Jesus says that you'll be like a light in the darkness, this is what he means. That it doesn't mean you, you like got a, a light bulb screwed on top of your head. It means that you will look so different that you'll stand out around everybody else. And, and when we're looking at the early church, that's what was happening. And it's our hope that as, as we open up our hearts to what God is saying to us through the book of Acts, that we will also be compelled in certain areas. We'll, be, we'll experience transformation in certain areas so that our lives line up more with what God's word says than what our culture around us reveals. See, this is what we know, and we see it in Acts, that God intends for his followers to live lives that are different than the world around them, but not just different, lives that are better, lives that are more fulfilling than our lives could ever be if Jesus was a part of our life, that he gives us stuff that the world doesn't offer by having the very God of this universe be resident within us and live in us and through us. So are you ready to look at some more stuff in the book of Acts and experience some more transformation? I really feel I want to do something today. I actually wrote it in here. I felt I wanted to do something before we jump into this next one. I want to take just a moment and I want us to pray for open hearts. Because we're going to look at a topic today that, that um, could be very personal to you. As a matter of fact, God may put his finger on some stuff about some, say maybe some wound in the past. And it's going to be tied to relationships and he may, be, he may point his finger that, that maybe you are a person that caused damage or somebody hurt you, and God's going to give us some path forward and how we can process through that. So let's just pray. Father, this morning as we begin to um, dive into your word again, we would ask that, Lord, you would help us to have very open hearts. That, Lord, we would say this, that whatever you want to say to us today, that we would have ears to hear. Whatever you want to reveal to us today about our lives, we would have eyes to see. And that, Lord, that, that gut reaction that we so often have, that when something comes up and it might be painful, it might be hard, that we, we build up a wall, I ask this today. Would you help those walls come down? Because we want to live into the life that you are calling us to, which is a better life, which is a life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of peace in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray today that your word would help us um, move forward in that regard. So Holy Spirit, I just say on behalf of our Hurt Church family, our hearts are open to you today. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Becoming, based on the book of Acts, becoming people who give others second chances. Becoming people who give others second chances. Let's be honest. Um, giving second chances to others isn't something that we see a lot in our world. Generally, when we have an issue or a, with someone or a falling out with someone, um, generally what happens is we build up walls. We prayed that a minute. We build up walls between us and them. And rarely... Do we ever allow ourselves or we do the work necessary to tear those walls down so that we can advance our relationship with that person 
or people that we've had a falling out with. Um, well, I don't know about you, but I think I assume you would say this. That's usually not the best way to live. That God has a better way to begin. So let's begin to think about something in Scripture that we see from the book of Acts, a particular guy. I'm going to talk about his life and see how second chances made all the difference in this guy's life. So I want to talk to you about a guy that the Bible calls John Mark, and he's generally just referred to as Mark. You familiar with Mark from the Bible? Okay. Scripture tells us quite a bit about Mark, actually. It tells us that Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. Now, we talked about Barnabas a while back. Barnabas was this highly respected leader in the early church. Barnabas was um, the one that the Apostle Paul partnered with to begin the very first ever missionary journey. Matter of fact, Acts 13 says, the Holy Spirit spoke to a group of leaders and set apart for me Paul and Barnabas and send them out. And so this is when God did the first missionary journey, he chose two guys. And it was Saul. He was still Saul. He wouldn't change his name to Paul yet. It was Saul and Barnabas. So he's a leading guy. We also find that Mark um, had a godly mother. That in, in the New Testament, what we see in, this, in the story of Jesus was that when people met to pray all night, that night Peter was arrested. Remember the story where Peter has been arrested? They're going to behead him. And they're praying for him in an all-night prayer meeting. It's in Mark's mom's house. And that when Peter was released, remember the angel took him out? And he didn't know what's going on. Also, he thought he was having a vision. He's like, oh my goodness, this isn't a vision. This is real. I'm really out of the jail. Where he ran to was John's Ma, uh, John Mark's mom's house. We find that when the early church, under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, sent out uh, the missionaries Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, who they chose to take with them was Mark. So God said, choose Paul and Barnabas, and they said, let's also take Mark with us. So we can see this guy had quite an amazing young life being trained up. He saw the first, all these miracles of God, um, through the leaders of the church. His family, his mom and his cousin, were some of the most key leaders in the early church. And he traveled with presumably the greatest missionary team ever to be assembled, Paul and Barnabas. They went out and everywhere they went, they started churches. And those churches they started were the seeds of the churches that we're part of today. And so he was part of all that. So this guy this young guy had every reason to succeed in his work with God, every reason to succeed in walking with God. He had every reason to be able to trust God in whatever God asked him to do and follow God. But something happened with John Mark. Partway through that first missionary journey that Barnabas and Saul went on, and they took him with them, it just simply says this, Mark deserted them. He left them. And Barnabas, he, he left them, and so Paul and Barnabas went on, and he went home. Now, we don't know why. It doesn't say why, but maybe it was because it was just more difficult than he thought. Maybe he couldn't stand um, the constant assaults from the Jews. Remember, everywhere they went, the Jews went after them and tried to destroy the work they were doing. Maybe he just missed his family and his friends. But no matter what the reason was, he bailed out on his team that was counting on him, and he went back home where presumably was easier. And that's where we're going to find... Um, the, we're going to pick up the story with him. So grab your Bibles, power up your whatever, and uh, open to Acts 15. And we're going to pick up the story right there in the life of John Mark. 
So in Acts, Paul and Barnabas are, are about to, what we're going to read here, are about to um, go revisit. They've done the first missionary journey. They come back to Jerusalem. They report what happens. And now they're going to go back and revisit all the churches that they established in their first missionary journey. Um, and, um, and this is what happened. A conflict arises. Acts 15, starting in verse 36. It says, After some days... Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. And I find that interesting here. And I'm not, we can't say this is for sure. But if you notice in the context here, it says Paul went one way, Barnabas went the other, and it only says about Paul that and they, they were being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And so I don't know if it doesn't mean that they did not commit to the grace of the Lord, Barnabas and Mark. We don't really know that because you can't make a decision based on absence of information, but it kind of feels that way. Like, Barnabas is really taking a big risk. He's kind of leaving the, the grace of the leadership and saying, no way, I'm so committed to this young man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him with me. So it's, it's, that, it's time in his story here for Paul and Barnabas to begin their, their second trip. And Paul just looks at Mark and says, there is no way I'm taking this guy with me again. He left us high and dry. The first time, I'm not going to do it again. But Barnabas... We don't actually know the details, but Barnabas somehow says, let's give him a second chance. He says something probably along the lines, I know that he messed up the first time, but this time I think is going to be different. Let's take him along with us. And it says that this conflict between them became so great that Paul and Barnabas decided to part ways. The great missionary team is broken in half. Paul chooses Silas, goes one way. Barnabas chooses Mark and goes another. Now, there is something I want you to see about this today. The very difficult and costly decision that Barnabas made to give Mark a second chance paid huge dividends. I say that again. The very difficult and costly decision that Barnabas made, it seems like maybe the, they, were, they were even the grace of the people to send him out. Maybe he wasn't with them. The very costly and difficult decision that Barnabas made to give Mark a second chance paid huge dividends. See, Mark took advantage of his second chance he developed into a great leader that even Paul later recognized and respected. Matter of fact, years later, Paul, writing the book of the letter to Romans, he's in jail. He writes this in the letter to Romans and uh, to the people in Rome. He wrote it in Second Timothy. Only Luke is with me. He was in a Roman jail, and he's writing. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. So here's a guy who at one time had said, I refuse to take him with me, now is writing a letter from prison and is saying, you know who you need to bring to me? Bring Mark, because he's useful to me for service. And also, let's not forget this, not only did Paul say later that he's, he's, worth, that he's, he's useful to service, that when you open up your Bible and you go to the gospel, you go to the gospels, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that one-fourth 
of the gospel message that we given was written by Mark. So it is clearly evident that giving Mark a second chance was the right thing to do, right? Right, giving him a second chance. Now, that's the history behind it. That's the, that's the, that's the part from the, the story from the book of Acts. And it's really easy for you and me to say, well, of course give Mark a second chance. Paul's a knothead. Paul's always blowing up. Paul didn't do the right thing. Barnabas is better. Barnabas you know, took the, did the right thing. It's easy for us to say that, right? Divorced a couple thousand years. Let me ask you this question. Who is the mark in your life? Who is the mark in your life? Who in your life has blown it? Probably more than once. Who in your life has left you high and dry? Who in your life has taken advantage of you? Who in your life has let you down? Who in your life has hurt you so deeply that you've built up walls and you just say, you know what, I want nothing to do with them anymore. My question today is, are you and am I ready to give them a second chance? Are we ready to act like Barnabas to the person who's done that? And I would say this, it's a whole lot easier to say Barnabas, Paul ought to have done it than it is for me to say I need to do it or for you to say you need to do it, isn't it? A lot easier to read about in in, in, in the book than it is to live it in our lives. Well, I think there's some really helpful insights from this story into how we can do this better, give second chances, and line up more closely with what should be, I'm going to say, the Christian normal of giving second chances instead of the non-Christian normal, which is where, where second chances are very few and far between. So how do you give a second chance to the mark in your life? I'm going to look at a couple things. And I hesitated to put this one first but I think I need to because of the level of wounding in some people's lives. And the first thing is, and this first one I'm going to say is very subjective, that we have to have to be able to give a second chance, and it's this. The person that you want to give a second chance to, they need to be like Mark was. I'll explain it. They need to be like Mark was. There are some conditions here. You see, Barnabas gave Mark a second chance because Mark wanted a second chance. It's evident from the story that Mark sought a second chance. He was willing to go right back into that difficult circumstance that he had bailed out on the first time. He said, it was hard then, but I'm willing to go back into that situation now. Mark wanted to do better. He was willing to try. You see, there are, uh, there's a difference between someone who is wanting a second chance in your life so that they can succeed and someone who's just wanting to take advantage of you and hurt you. We help the one we don't necessarily help the other. See, repeatedly in Paul's letters to the churches and to Christian leaders, he warned them to be on guard against people who would want to harm them. In 2 Timothy, he wrote to Timothy this. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Here, be on guard against him yourself. You see, extending second chances doesn't mean you open yourself up to continued abuse. And again, I was, I was tempted to not put this to like the third point. Because I didn't want to automatically have every excuse not to do it. But I know this. Some people have been hurt very deeply. And I'm not in any way in this wanting you to sit there and go, just shut your brain off and go, there's no way I'm going to consider this. You have no idea what that person did to me. I'm saying to give a second chance, the person has to be like Mark was. Mark wanted a second chance. What it means is that you put your, to give somebody a second chance, is that you put your, around, around, your arm around those who want to reconcile, 
who want to change, who want to grow, who want to partner with you, and they want um, the good of the relationship as you want the good of the relationship. It's a lot like the story of the father in the story of the prodigal son. Before the father could ever give his son a second chance, what did his son have to do? The Bible says this, he came to himself all along when he was out spending, squandering his father's inheritance, living a life of, of sin and, and disrespecting his father. It would never have worked to try to give him a second chance. But then it says he's a, he's a Jewish boy feeding pods to pigs in a pig pen, the ultimate worst thing for a young Jewish boy. And no one would even give him the pods to eat that he's feeding the pigs and he's starving to death. And he goes, I'm going to return to my father's house. It says he came to himself. He had an epiphany. He said, I need to get back. I need to, I need to reconcile. And he went, and what happened? The father was sitting on the porch watching for him. And when the father saw him a long way away, the father ran to him and reconciled. But what was the prerequisite to the reconciliation? The son had to come to himself first and want to be reconciled before the father could give him a second chance. So for you to offer a second chance to someone, there has to be some belief that they want to change, that they want to get better, that they want to reconcile. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. And man, this is for for just all of us. The world would be so much better if we would just do this next point. Aim to have a heart like Barnabas. Aim to have a heart like Barnabas. Barnabas, do you know what his name means? Some of you do. Son of encouragement. Matter of fact, it says that they gave him that name as a nickname, obviously because of the way he acted towards people. I would love to be known as the son of encouragement. I mean, I would love if that's what people thought of me as. This guy lived his life in such a way that they called him the son of encouragement. And here's why. Barnabas erred on the side of grace with people. Barnabas erred on the side of grace when people, when Paul said it was too risky to take Mark along, Barnabas erred on the side of grace and gave him a second chance. It wasn't the apparently sensible choice. It feels like the rest of the church thought he was making a bad choice. And friends, that wasn't unusual for Barnabas. And of anybody who should have got this, it should have been the Apostle Paul. Because if you read the story of Paul's beginning, what happened with Paul is, Paul, remember Paul comes to Christ on the Damascus Road, huge conversion experience, and everybody's afraid of him, and only one guy comes alongside him and says, I'll partner with you, and I'll introduce you to the rest of the believers. Who was that one guy? Barnabas. Paul had lived his life where Barnabas had given him a second chance and mentored him, and now he has the opportunity, Paul has the opportunity to act like Barnabas And Paul goes his own way, and Barnabas acts like Barnabas towards John Mark and gives him a second chance. You see, when Barnabas saw a glimpse of promise in a person, he responded to that and he extended grace, even when no one else did. Friends, as abnormal as that is, that's what I think can be our normal, graciously giving others a second chance because, friends, that's what God has done for every one of us. He's given us second chances. He gave all of us a second chance when he gave us his son. We sent Jesus into the world to redeem our lives from sin, giving us eternal life when no, not one of us, the Bible says, deserves it. God set the example of what is to be normal for Christians when he offered a second chance to every single one of us. And who among us? hasn't received a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance 
from God when we failed. Every single person in this room, we all have. I just think Barnabas understood that, that just like God graciously and repeatedly gave him second chances, he would also do the same for other people. And he did it for people like Paul, and he did it for people like John Mark. And I just want you to think for a second. Just think about the rewards he gained for just being that way. He invested in just these two men. We don't know the, maybe the hundreds of other people he did this for. But just by investing in these two men, Paul and Mark, he literally changed the world. Think how our world has been changed if you didn't have the gospel of Mark. The world would be different. Think what we have if we didn't have Paul, who became the, the, the missionary who took the gospel all across the world outside of Judaism. We might not be saved. And what was the reason that those guys, a huge part of the reason how they became the men they were to do the things they did? Because this guy named Barnabas was willing to stand by his side and said, take, and take the risk of saying, you know what, all of you are writing this person off, but I'm going to stand alongside this person and I'm going I'm to offer grace and I'm going to give him a second chance. You know who John Wesley is? John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist Church. And he understood this was necessary and understood it was difficult. So he offered five ways that we can show love to those whom, with whom we, need, we disagree, people whom we need to give a second chance to. And I want to review these five ways. And I'll tell you, you could spend the rest of your life just having these five ways written on a piece of paper and say, God, help me live them out today because they're a challenge. So he said this, if you want to give somebody a second chance... Number one, treat them as companions. So think about this. Treat them as a companion, not as an adversary. You walk, a companion is somebody you do life together with. What do we normally do when we have an issue with a person? We just pretend they don't exist anymore. What's the statement? You're dead to me. Have you ever said it? Be honest with yourself. Have you ever said it? I have. You're dead to me. I don't say it out loud but you're dead to me. In other words, you don't exist anymore. That's the normal way to live. That's the way the world says to live. John Wesley and Barnabas would say, um, that will never work, so treat people as companions, not as adversaries. So treat them as a companion. Walk with them. Decide your mental picture toward them is going to be, they are someone who is a partner with me. They are a companion with me. He says number two, and I think this is the most difficult part of all, do not think or speak evil of them. This is my biggest challenge, and I think it is for all of us. So do not think evil of them. So when, you're, when that person comes to your mind, and automatically, because real life happens and there's negative things, and we start to think evil, what Wesley would say this, you have to, be, you have to be, um, make the mental decision that says, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to live in that world, and you know what I mean. You run the story over and over and over in your mind. So Wesley says, do not think about it. But then he says this, and Wesley was huge on this point. Don't speak about it. That never speak evil about another person. And it's the hard one. Because we'd say, oh, it's a, I'm evaluating the situation, or I'm just telling the story. It's a hard one. It's super hard for all of us. But Wesley says, if you're going to give people a second chance, number, the second thing you need to do is do not think or speak evil of them. Number three, pray for them. I've just learned this. And you've learned this too. You cannot be angry with somebody and, and stay distant from somebody that you regularly pray for. And I'm not talking that once a year you say, oh, and bless Steve. 
Every day you make it a matter of saying, I'm going to lift them up for the Lord and ask the Lord to bless them, care for them, give them the best today, take care of them today. God, and you're going to just, and I'm not talking about even praying for reconciliation in the relationship. I'm saying you will just spend time regularly praying for that person, for the good of that person. You'll see that what happens is your heart will change towards that person. Number four, he says this, encourage them to do good. So actually be involved in wanting to see them succeed. So often when we have somebody, we have an, er- an issue with somebody and there's a wall built up or there's distance that are dead to me, what we really want is we want them to fail. We hope in our heart, we don't say it out loud, but we just hope that they crash and burn because it's good for you. That's how the world looks at it. And you, know, you say, Pastor Mark, I can't believe you're saying that. I just know that that's how we all think. That's the natural way to think. Wesley says, if we want to be like Barnabas, encourage them to do good. Actually, pray for their good. Encourage them to do. Um, Say, how can I help you do good? Put actions to it. Encourage them to do good. And the last thing is this. And remember, he's writing particularly here about a minister to a minister, so like a, a Paul and a Barnabas, or a Paul and a Mark. He says this, collaborate with them in ministry. And I would just say this, um, just join together in what unites you. Do things that are positive together. Actually invite them to join you in something that you could do together. Something, a project you could do together, a, an involvement you could be involved in together. Do something with them so you recognize you actually really are on the same team. Wesley said if we'll do these things, I think he's right, we will find that we're drawn together and we'll give people second chances and unity and love will develop. I believe we can be people who desire to reconcile and to give other people second chances. And I think, I think that that's what we see here in the book of Acts. Now there's one final point I want to make about this today, and it's this. Sometimes it takes some time to give a second chance. Sometimes it takes some time to give a second chance. Think about Paul in the story. He didn't give Mark a second chance immediately like Barnabas did, but history proves that Barnabas was right and Paul had judged Mark too harshly, yet history also points out that um, in time, Paul saw Mark's value and reconciled with him and beyond that, actually partnered with him in ministry. And the point is this. Maybe there are some, there, there has been some time between when you and your mark, that person hurt you or you hurt them, there's been an offense that happened between you, and then there's been some time between then and now. And I would say this, just maybe it's not too late to give them a second chance, even though there's been a lot of water under the bridge. I would say we see from the story that eventually Paul understood that mark he could be reconciled to him. Even though it broke up the greatest missionary team maybe of all time. And I would say if that could be reconciled, just maybe it's not too late for you to give a second chance or you receive a second chance from somebody else. It's never too late, I don't believe, to reconcile. And I would just say this, what can we do about it? We can take the first step. We can make the first move. And I would say this, everybody wins when we live in love and unity. Everybody wins when we live in love and unity. So as we close, think about it. Who is your mark? When I've been talking this whole time, I believe names have come into your minds 
a picture, a person's face has popped into your brain, maybe more than one. And I want us to think about today, what God want you to do about it? Because here's the deal. God never wants us to come to church, sing nice songs, talk about his word, and walk out and do nothing with it. Just the opposite. He wants us to come together and worship, open up our hearts, take what he's given us in his word, and say, God, now how, what do I do with it? He's asking you, what's, what, what, what are you going to do with it? Who is the mark in your life? Maybe you remember this. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was teaching about not talking bad about other people. He's like, if you call him a fool, remember that? Don't call him a fool, don't call him a jerk. He's saying, don't, don't do that. And Jesus said this, he, that's the context. He says, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your offering there and first be reconciled to your brother. Jesus was showing that reconciliation is greater than, of greater importance than any other religious duty because they were going to present an offering at the altar, the highest level of, of religious duty. And instead, he says, leave that. Don't do that. First, more importantly, go be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer it. He simply says, Jesus says like this, go and be reconciled. And let's be honest, for this to happen, it usually requires one of the two people to take the first step. And I believe this, that the Spirit of the Lord inside of us today can empower us in Christ to take the first step towards reconciliation with people that there are, that there are walls built up to. And just imagine what might happen if we act like the early church and we, and we are the ones who do that, who might God use you in their life to influence them for Christ? Because some of the people that God's bringing to your mind don't know Jesus. And some know Jesus, but their body of Christ is hindered because, you're, because there's a riff. Who, who might God use you to influence, to bless the body of Christ and to bring people into the family of God by simply saying, I am empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to take the first step in reconciliation. And when we do that, we're really just following the example of Jesus who took the first step towards us. So friends, as we close today, maybe you need a second chance. Maybe you need to go to somebody and say, give me a second chance. Or maybe you need to go to somebody and say, I'm willing to give you a second chance. And maybe you need to go to God and say, I'm here, and I want a second chance again. Maybe you, maybe you gave your heart to Jesus years ago, but you know in your life you're not really living for the Lord. Right? You, know, you prayed a prayer at some point, you say you're living it, but, but if, somebody had to, if you had to go to court today and they had to prosecute you and convict you of being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence. And God's saying, you know what, i got something better for you than that. You can come to God today and say, God, I need a second chance. And we know this, he always gives it. The worship team, if you guys would come up this morning. As we close today, I don't know, I don't know the situation in your life. I don't know if you need to come to God for a second chance. 
I don't know if there's a person, maybe even in this room, that you need to offer a second chance to. Or there's somebody that you're going to take, take a note card out from the back of the chair and you're going to write their name down and say, before I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to contact this person. Or at least I'm going to make steps toward contacting this person because I want to be like a Barnabas. I want to be the one. I want to be the one who is the son of encouragement, who, who, who is the, the initiator of second chances. Pray with me this morning. Lord, I'm just asking. We opened up our hearts in the beginning of this and said, would you speak to us? And Lord, I know that there's, that the work that needs to be done here is the work that you need to do in me and in everybody else. And God, we want to be a church that's just filled with people like Barnabas who are encouragers, who give second chances. And maybe there's people here today that are saying, I, I, I need a second chance with God. Maybe that's the first thing. I need a second chance with God. I need to give my heart back over to Jesus. I need to be, I want to be serious about it this time. I, I mean, I really do. I'm, I want to be all in. That's you this morning in your heart right now. Just say something like this to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I'm tired of being far from you. I know that you're not far from me. I want to turn and kind of come back to you. So Jesus, today I I ask you to come into my life fresh and anew. Lord, just wipe away all the garbage in my life. All that stuff, all those barriers, all that stuff that I think is more important. And today, Lord, I want to just be all in with you. 100%. And Lord, I know this. You always say yes to that. So today on this day, I thank you for reconciliation. I thank you for making me one with you, fresh and anew. And I want to walk with you the days of my life. Lord, I also we also pray this, that there's people in here who have been hurt deeply in their life from somebody. And as we talk today, that person's name came into their mind. That person, that maybe the, the, some event came back to their, to their mind. And it's painful. And there's still baggage. But Lord, we know that you are greater. That you are able to help us put the baggage aside and heal the pain. We ask, Holy Spirit, that today you would do that right now in this moment. And that there would be this incredible sense of anticipation in our hearts that says as we take a first step, some of these relationships can be restored. Now, Lord, we understand, and we started looking at it today, that the person has to want to be restored before they can be restored. But, but Lord, we know this with great anticipation that some relationships that are hurt and broken can be restored. 
restored. And you're going to use us to take the first step. And Lord, I pray this. I pray for courage for your church. The grace to do what you're asking them to do. Because it's really personal stuff in their lives. We trust you to do that.